Ruff, and this is Conversational Commerce, the podcast where we break down the biggest industry news and trends by talking shop with the Retail Dive team, thought leaders, and executives. On the show, we'll talk through trends on everything from Amazon's incursion into brick and mortar down to the nitty-gritty challenges of getting Omnichannel right in the future of retail. Today on the show, we're talking bankruptcies, a hot topic this year that spawned a slew of hyperbolic headlines about the quote-unquote retail apocalypse. So is it all doom and gloom for the age-old industry? Of course not. The act of buying and selling isn't going anywhere. We all know that. And most retailers aren't going anywhere either. They're just transitioning in what seems to be the new era of retailing. And to be honest, no one has quite figured it out yet. But here's the thing. Retailers are closing stores and filing for bankruptcy at a record rate this year. Here with me today to break down the bankruptcy trend is Retail Dive reporter Ben Unclesby. Hey Ben, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So there's a couple things I want to talk about today. Overall bankruptcy trends, where we're at right now, who's filed so far this year, and who might still file by the end of the year. So Ben, break down for us, um, how did the industry get to the point where it's recording record number of store closures and bankruptcies, and kind of where's the industry at right now? Right. So, so as you said, yeah, we, we've seen a lot of bankruptcies. Uh, the Moody's list of distressed retailers has already topped uh, the total from uh, 2008 recession. Um, we've seen more than 15 major retailers uh, file for bankruptcy uh, since the beginning of the year. Uh, big names like Payless, Route 21, Jimboree, Gander Mountain, Limited, Radio Shack, again. Um, so, and, and there's been... A lot of smaller retailers have, that have gone bankrupt as well. Um, so I think, I mean, the the short story is these are companies that had a lot of debt, and they've seen their sales go down uh, for a bunch of different reasons, and it just a cri- it creates a crisis. Mm-hmm. And it seems like there's you know bankruptcies aren't discriminating by sector either. We're seeing this with electronic retailers, apparel, um, sports retailers, um, but a lot of them are. I mean, all of them are mall-based or really big brick-and-mortar retailers, and I think we're seeing that there was certainly an over-expansion of stores, and we're seeing that slim down more. And there was also a failure to get into e-commerce until too late, and a lot of companies are trying to struggle with how do we how do we get on top of digital sales now. So, what are your sources telling you about some of the big trends that are connecting a lot of these bankrupt retailers? Right. Well, a lot of what we're seeing is uh, these are companies that were taken over by private equity a few years ago. They were leveraged buyouts. A lot of debt came with that. Um, so they, they had big debt loads, uh, big interest payments, um, and that prevented them from making investments in e-commerce, like you said. So they were behind the curve on that. Um, and then we've just seen overall traffic decline at uh, the lower tier malls. People are doing more shopping online, but they're also going to uh, discount stores more and off-price stores more. So a lot of these mall-based Retailers, it's just been, uh, it's just been a perfect storm. They, the, their sales went down at the same time as they had a bunch, bunch of debt to pay off, and there wasn't many options left for them but to go into bankruptcy. And, and through bankruptcy, we're already seeing a lot of different options and different scenarios play out. Some of them are, are being bought; their intellectual property is being bought through it. Some of them are restructuring, and some of them are just going to liquidate. So, um, what are your sources telling you in terms of what are the odds that a company will truly restructure under Chapter Eleven or liquidate ultimately? Right. Well, the the, the odds of uh, liquidating are high. Okay. <laughs> the odds of, <laughs> of restructuring are pretty low. 
it's since uh, 2016, just five out of 34 retail bankruptcies have been reorganizations. Oh wow! Um, so the chances are very low. Yeah, yeah, and that that's according to the debt wire. The re- the rest of those bankruptcies are either sales or, or liquidations. So going back even further in time, Fitch has uh, looked at case uh, several case studies. Of, of retail bankruptcies, and they found that about half ended in liquidation ultimately, um, which is a higher a higher percentage than than other sectors. So um, history has not been kind to to retail retail bankruptcies, um, and and really they have a short uh, they have a short time to uh, exit to to figure out which stores they want to close and exit those leases. That's they they have legal constraints on on how long that time frame is. So um, it's it's pretty quick, and if you don't go into bankruptcy with a plan, chances are things aren't going to go very well for you. So how about the retailers that do have a plan? Um, what are some of the what's an example of a retailer that you're following that is actually looking to restructure through Chapter Eleven? Right. So I I think all the ones that we've seen this year, uh, they Jimboree, Route Twenty One, Payless, some of the others. They went into bankruptcy with a plan, not just with a plan, but a, a plan that their creditors agreed to. So that by the time they file, there was a, I, it changes in bankruptcy, but there was a pretty uh, pretty well formed plan already um, by the by the time they they had their their papers in. And uh, yeah, J- Jimboree and, and Payless are are two uh, are two that we've been following really closely. Mm-hmm. Jimboree is a really interesting example because um, they're trying to get back on track. They were a mall based children's apparel retailer, filed for bankruptcy only a couple months ago in June, um, hoping to shrink about nine hundred million dollars in debt, and also are going to close about three hundred and fifty stores. So clearly, they need to downsize. They're they're paring back like a lot of these retailers are doing, but. What else do they need to do to come out positive on the other side? Right. Uh, well, yeah, I, th- I think Jimboree uh, has done all the right things in terms of, uh, in terms of what you can do in bankruptcy. I mean, they're, they're shrinking their store footprint um, to, to get it to a level that they can manage and, and where their stores are, are profitable. They're, they're shedding debt. You ha- I mean, you have to do that, really, to, ha- to have a chance out, outside of bankruptcy. Um, but the, once you get out, then you have, you still have to face the current retail environment. Um, so you have to get people into your stores or, or buying from your website. And, you know, with Jimboree, there's a lot of places you can go to buy children's clothes. You can buy them from Target, you can buy them from Walmart, you can buy them from off-price stores, buy them from Carter's, the children's place, you know, in debt analysis and, um, bankruptcy analysis, you, they call it your, your reason to exist, um. And Sounds a little um, stark, I guess. Yeah. Reason to exist. <laughs> it's it's pretty existential. But, yeah. but I mean that that's true, right? It can be difficult when you're dealing with all of these financial pressures that are you know that are right in front of you. It can be difficult to remember what you stand for and you know why you open business in the first place and the reason for customers to come at your door. Right, right. Well, I, I mean, I think in general we've seen uh, a little bit less brand loyalty than we have in the past and people just have so many options now for for where and how to buy i mean and when sometimes when you close store, I, I know kohl's has found this and and some other retailers when you close stores people don't necessarily go to the next closest store of yours 
they'll just stop going to your stores and they'll find someone else to go to. And that's also the other part of it, right, is, you know, we've seen data that shows when you close stores, um, you also hurt the e-commerce business. So it seems like there's really a fine line when it comes to how do you close stores but keep your brand identity intact and continue to engage with customers. Right. Deciding how many stores to close is a really tough calculus uh, for, for, for that reason. And then also in, in managing your finances, too. So, you know, these days, with, with everything changing, you're not just trying to look at how your stores are doing now. You're trying to look out into the future and, and what that all means to your business and your brand. And it's, it's a really tough calculus to do. Mm-hmm. So to switch gears a little bit, that's looking back who's filed so far. Um, but we're only about halfway through the year, a little bit more than that. Who are you looking at right now that could be on the brink to file for bankruptcy by the end of the year? Right. Well, I mean, there's there's several retailers that are considered distressed that we've written about. Um, and I think the ones that we're following, really, a lot of people are following really closely are, uh, you know, stores like Sears and Neiman Marcus that are household brands. Uh, they've been around for a long time. And we're following them for just as much for you know their financial character as to what they what they you know their place in retail history and, and you know U.S. commercial history. Mm-hmm. Sears is a really interesting example that I think is top of mind for a lot of people just because it stood for so much, right? It was one of the most iconic retailers you know, dominating the entire landscape pre-Amazon era, <laughs> um, you know, and, and the brand loyalty there was really high. I'm from Chicagoland area, and people love Sears, or they yeah. used to love Sears. I mean, growing up, we used to always get our appliances there, and, you know, even among those loyal Midwestern shoppers that have more of a nostalgia for it, I think we're starting to see that fade a little bit. Um, so walk us through where Sears is at right now. Right, so... I mean the the cliche with Sears is they're doing less badly at least for, at least for the moment, <laughs> um, and then that's I mean that's in terms of their financial performance. In the first quarter, they they finally turned a pro- positive profit for the first time in something like two years. Uh, the second quarter, they lost money again, but it was a lot less than they lost in the you know the prior year period. Um, so they're starting to to stem the losses a little bit, but. They're not. They haven't done it through a business turnaround. Uh, they haven't done it by increasing same store sales or, or their top line sales. Their top line sales are probably going to be in trouble for a little while, as, as long as they're still closing stores. But but really, it's come from asset sales. It's come from corporate cost cuts. It's come from layoffs. It's come from different kinds of financial engineering. Um, so until we see a sort of sales turnaround, it, it's hard to see how the Sears story. Uh, changes from from what it is now, which is just a story of constant decline. I mean, we've seen mm-hmm. we've seen their store footprint roughly have in just a few years. It, it's kind of mind boggling. And that's not to say that they're not trying to reinvent themselves, right? We've got Shop Your Way, which is this big effort, this push to increase brand loyalty, bring people back into the stores. Um, their new small format stores that are more niche, focusing on appliances and mattresses. Um, what else is Sears doing to kind of rejuvenate its brand? Right. So, um, I mean, one of the big ones, or one, one of the efforts that got a lot of attention was uh, the announcement that it would start selling appliances through through Amazon. Uh, that got Sears a, a, a little bit of love from Wall Street, which we don't see that very often at all. Um, but and, and it also scared, uh, at least for investors, scared them when it comes to other uh, appliance retailers because... 
Amazon's been trying to get into that space for a while. Amazon's been the first retailer, uh, or and really the first appliance maker to, to, to partner with them. But the Kenmore brand has lost a lot of market share uh, over time. I don't think younger, uh, for younger consumers, it's really top of their mind. Um, so the, the Kenmore audience has kind of gotten older um, and smaller. And, and see, I mean, for that to, for that to have a meaningful impact on on Sears's uh, sales and, and Sears's finances, I, I would just have to sell a, a huge number of of appliances through Amazon. And, and there's no guarantee at all that just because it has the Amazon audience uh, and has access to to Prime members that it's going to be able to sell appliances. I, right. Nothing's guaranteed. Right. So potential partnerships for Sears. But when you talk to analysts about what's on the horizon, um, do you get any kind of consensus for whether bankruptcy is inevitable? I mean, it's it's really hard to say because uh, we've been. I mean, people have been on the Sears death watch for years now, <laughs> and so, some people were expecting it to be imminent, you know, years ago. No one I talk to is uh, very optimistic about Sears's potential, or, or at least Sears's ability to stay out of bankruptcy. A lot of it depends on Eddie Lampert, CEO, because he's thrown Sears, uh, he's thrown Sears several life financial lifelines, has lent the company hundreds of millions of dollars, and has uh, found clever ways to, to keep the company solvent and, and provide it with some cash. Um, and so, I mean, it, it's it's a tough question to answer how long that will go on for. But again, I mean, we've all we've seen is the, is the company decline. And even if the company goes into bankruptcy, you know, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the end of Sears' story. Mm-hmm. Um, it could shrink its, it, it could shed even more stores, shed even more uh, costs and debt, and come out on the other side something much smaller and more niche than anyone would have imagined yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. So as you continue to follow the narrative, not only of, of Sears kind of trying to reinvent itself, you know, through or, you know, without bankruptcy, but also these other retailers that are currently in bankruptcy looking for a way out. What are you looking for um, as the year wraps up? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it'll be really interesting to watch some of these companies that are that are going through reorganizations and, and bankruptcy. Payless just emerged, um, Jimboree, Rue Twenty One, and and some others are still in the process of reorganization and are inside of bankruptcy. And and once once they all emerge from bankruptcy and get through the holiday season and, and into the next year, it'll be really interesting to see how they do mm-hmm. um, and, and how they perform. Because again, beyond just having a, a successful reorganization where you get rid of debt, where you, uh, where you close stores and there's usually ownership changes, you know, the, the, the big question is how you do now. Yeah, it's make or break, right? Yeah. I mean, it's critical holiday season, and yeah. retailers gear up for this all year, so I can imagine when you're under that kind of financial pressure as well, it really adds to it. Right, right. So. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll be, I mean, will the trends level out in terms of decreased uh, traffic to malls and, and increasing e-commerce sales? Will it level out at some point? Uh, that, that, to some extent, will determine the fate of these companies more than what they're able to do to their balance sheets in, mm-hmm. in bankruptcy. Well, it'll be interesting to keep watching what happens, especially during the holiday season. So thanks for coming on the show, Ben. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for tuning in to Conversational Commerce. For all the latest updates on store closures, restructuring, and bankruptcies, subscribe to our free newsletter at retaildive.com. And don't worry, our newsletters are not all doom and gloom. We've got plenty to say about the incredible innovations in voice, store format, logistics, and e-commerce efforts happening in the industry too. Whether you like this podcast or hated it, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or send us feedback by email or on Twitter at Retail Dive. And stay tuned for the next episode. Until next time, I'm Corinne Ruff, and this was Conversational Commerce.